Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Great Scott Show, 8 o'clock hour on a Wednesday in studio this week. Assistant coach for Louisiana Raging Cajuns, Cajun Lifer. That'd be Mr. Anthony Babineau in the studio with me. Good morning, Bab. How are you feeling a little more well-rested this week compared to last Wednesday? A little bit. A little bit more. Last Wednesday, coming off that road trip to uh, from Round Rock and, what was it, Northwestern? Yeah. That Tuesday night. But supposed to go up to Tech last night. Obviously got postponed because of weather, so was able to have a night at home. What's the most difficult road trip you've ever been on for work? Man, I'm sure there have been a few. One that comes to mind is a trip that we took to Coastal Carolina a few years ago, and flights got changed and canceled on the way back and couldn't get another flight. And So we took a bus down to Jacksonville, because that's the route it was going for some reason, had to go and then came across 10 to head back home. Middle of that week, we were playing LSU in the Wally Pontiff Classic. So we just stopped in New oh, Orleans. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, okay, I remember that now. Now that rings a, a bell. Got a hotel room and, and spent the night, I guess it was Monday, in New Orleans or Tuesday and then played either Tuesday or Wednesday before coming home. That was... That was a, a long one, <laughs> you know, just a lot of adversity with that and changes and cancellations. Bet you when your feet get off that bus, you're like, I'm glad to be home. Absolutely. You know, uh, the trips, to they were fun, but they were long as well. The trips, whenever UT Pan American was in our league, down to Edinburgh, Texas, that, that's way down there. It's, that's like a different country. I mean, literally well, it almost is. Well, but, it's six miles from yeah, yeah from Mexico, from the border. <clears throat> but I mean, they were fun trips. I mean, going down to Pan Am and and playing those guys. But it's just it was always really hot and and just long. But you know, some memorable ones for sure. It's not too often when you're the you know you're coaching on Louisiana that you're taking long trips south. But that was the case when you were playing those guys. What a weird. Unless you're going to the Rio Grande. Valley. Yeah. Well. It's, Bab's been doing it for a while. The Sun Belt has changed. One team that'll be in the Sun Belt next year is a team that you guys just face in, uh, in Southern Miss. They're a feisty group. You know, it was a competitive series, Bab, and uh, you guys were coming off the, the, the win against Northwestern State last, last Wednesday. And then Friday night, you welcome in Southern Miss. We've talked about Tommy Ray a lot, but I think, you know, he continues to show, like, he can be that that Friday guy for you. And, um, you know, after what happened in, in Round Rock, seeing what he did on Friday, and then, of course, Tally came in and looked really strong. I mean, you guys pleased right now with what Tommy's been showing you guys, huh? Absolutely. He really has. You know, I mentioned last week that he continues to get better and better each week. And, you know, he did that again this this Friday. This Friday, he wasn't as – he didn't have as much command as he did the Friday before against Stanford – but he got his stuff in the zone enough. He was effectively wild, so to speak, um, you know, to keep them off, <clears throat> excuse me, to keep them off balance and be productive. And he held them at bay, gave our offense a chance to do what it needed to do. And, and you mentioned Tally. Tally came in and, and was lights out, really. Um, you guys right now without Max Marshak, how are you guys feeling that spot right now? And have you kind of... Like what? What is he? 
when he's not in the lineup, aside from just the numbers, what else to a casual fan may not notice that, that when you guys don't have him, what you're missing? Well, it's obviously, it's obvious what we do have when he was with us. You know, someone in that leadoff spot that, that could really spark us and, and strength and speed. Although, we've repl- I mentioned this this past Saturday, we've replaced him with strength and speed as well. And Will Vayon, he's doing a tremendous job for us. But He's not competitive, huh, that guy? No, <laughs> no, not too much. Not too much. Not a competitive bone in his body. Sarcasm. Right. Uh, so Will has done a tremendous job to... To fill in for him, and but just imagine if we had Will and Max in the lineup, you know, that would be that would be really good and and would be good for our offense. So he's still a week to two week, probably two weeks away. Uh, he has he is starting to do a few things out on the field, not in a game or, or anything like that, but you know he's starting to. He was jogging yesterday. I'll say that as opposed to just walking around. You know, he's able to do that. So he's making small, small progress each and every day. So hopefully he can be back for us soon because, you know, he's an exciting part of of what we want to do. Week to week right now for him. Um, Tyler Robertson, I want to get your thoughts on him a little bit. I was talking to Coach Deggs about him on uh, Monday morning and, his <clears throat> play last year, his play this year, uh, just your thoughts seeing him, you know, uh, at the plate, what he's done this season, and is he where you ex- – is he where he expected to be at this point? Is he not quite there yet? Because I think, obviously, the ceiling with that guy is a really high one. Well, I don't think anybody believes he's where he's where he wants to be or where he should be, Right, obviously. Uh, he's a much better player than what he's shown uh, up to this point. And again, you know, we talked about Max and what he means to our offense. Tyler needs to be better. He he needs to be what he was at the very least last year for us, you know, because because we need him. He's a dynamic player, as you mentioned, a very, very high ceiling. So the better he is, the better our offense is going to be, obviously. But, you know, he just – he knows that he needs to be better and, and needs to perform better for, for – for this team and and for for him as well, you know he's got a chance to, you know that's down the road, but he's got a chance to play this game for quite a long time, you know, so he knows he's got to perform better. Is it when a guy has like let's look at uh, at a guy like Carson Rockefeller who's outstanding so far this year, he's batting three forty two. Last year he got off to a really strong start, then it fell off a little bit. Might have been scouting reports, whatever. This year, it's it's been working for him. I mean, he's he's been tremendous. Um, I think he's batting three forty two. Uh, last I checked, once like for a for a player, once they they have success, whether it be a scouting report, like that adjustment period, right? How difficult is that? You played, you coached for a long time. Whenever it's man, I've been doing this thing that's been working for a while. I don't need to like get rid of it, but I have to I have to tinker a few things, right? How difficult is that for a, a you know? I, I guess it obviously varies from player to player, but in your mind, how, how difficult is it? That's what I was going to say. You know, it's different from player to player because some of them, when the scouting reports come out and they start getting pitched differently, they're able to adjust really easily, really quickly. For some of them, it takes them a little bit longer. For some of them, they can't ever adjust and, and we're never the same player again. You know, Carson is is a guy that. 
that he works really, really hard at, at his craft, at what he does. And he's able to make adjustments. At least we've seen that a little bit so far this season because already, just in this short time that we've been playing, they have started to pitch him differently based off what he's done beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, beginning of the season, a lot of teams were trying to shove fastballs by him, and you can't get a fastball by him. It doesn't matter how good the fastball is. I mean, he'll swing and miss from time to time, but usually he'll catch up to it. doesn't matter, you know, how hard it is. This weekend, they started to spin him a little bit more, you know, change-ups, curveballs, and and that's what I would have done too, looking at the scouting report and looking at his numbers and seeing what he's done beginning of the season. So, And he scuffled a little bit after the first game with that. So that's one of the things he's going to have to work on because I guarantee you that's how people are going to continue to pitch. You have to, against a hitter like that, you have to, you can't just do one thing. No matter how good, usually, no matter how good that one thing is for that pitcher, you can't just do that one thing against him. Because his swing is is too good, it's too dynamic. You have to be able to mix and match, and that's what they were able to do with him the last two games, and and you know struggled a little bit. So he'll have to work to to adjust, and hopefully, he's one of those guys that it doesn't take too long to make that adjustment because you know he's he's been carrying the team. I mean, there's no secret to that, you know. So so we need him to be there for us, right? Offensively, getting guys on and then getting them around. But getting more guys on is where you guys definitely want to improve on. Um, I just I, that part of the game when people talk about slumps in baseball, I I often just think about man, so many of these, and you could say the same thing about pitchers, right? I just I try to go back to my mindset, and I didn't play college baseball, but whenever I was that age, like when I was doing something that worked, and in anything, and someone's like, well. You got to you got to adjust here. Like how difficult that can be for someone. And if you're a pitcher, if you're a hitter, whatever it is, you can come in. Look, I mean, Taylor's all this time with baseball. You get a guy that comes in, just throws straight heat. Maybe he has success right out the gate, and then you know you have fans that are like, "What happened?" Well, you know, people saw him pitch. They got the report. Now, how does that young man adjust? And I think there's no. The, I could ask you: Has you have you ever coached a player? that just had so much talent that they didn't have to adjust much in college baseball. Has there ever been that guy? Because I think the best baseball players ever have had to do it to get to the point that they're at, right? Well, absolutely. Because nobody's going to just let somebody continue to do what they do great over and over and over and over again. They'll never be successful against that person. So every every great player at any at all levels have had to I guess adjust. what I'm saying is there's there's no... There's not a skill set that's so overwhelmingly good at baseball that others can't adjust. Correct. Right. Like, it's not like, well, he just had so much heat that there was nothing they could do. Now, you can do that in high school, but you get to D1 college baseball and you get good competition, certainly anything above that, it's like, that's not that's not going to work, guys. Right. Um, I mean, even um, the closer for the Yankees, his name is, is it throws 103. It's escaping my mind right now. Um, the lefty. Yeah, I, I know you're talking about. And, I mean, he throws 103, but he also throws a slider. Yeah. If 103 was good enough every pitch, he, that's all he would throw. He wouldn't need the slider. You, you going to miss uh, Major League Baseball if they don't play this year? Uh, I miss watching the games. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't. You watch a lot more once college baseball ends, obviously. You have more time. Right. Have a little bit more time. but And I don't watch f- complete game, full games like I did when I was younger because there's 
more to do, more responsibilities, more obligations. But, you know, love watching clips and highlights and just seeing seeing our sport played at the highest level is tremendous to watch. Acevedo, what's his name? No, I don't know why I can't think of it. Was with the Reds for a while. Chapman? Yes, Araldis. Araldis Chapman. Yes. I mean, if 103 was good enough, that's all he would throw. It's good enough he, against he jabronis have, like me, but not He wouldn't the best have to throw the, the slider. Yeah. It's um, that, that every year when you have a returning player that was really good, there's an expectation it's going to happen just like that. Mm-hmm. How often is that the case, do you find? Or is there is it more often the other end of and it takes a little while? It it usually takes a little while. It usually does because you know you gotta remember that these are these are still kids, man. They're not pros, they're not professionals. Right. They're kids. So they have to first learn how to adjust. They have to identify what they need to adjust and then go work on it and do it. So, you know, it can take some time. There's as you mentioned, there's some that that adjust really quickly, and, and some guys, I mean, you see a lot of guys that have great years, all four years, all three years, and those are the ones that, after college, they continue to play, right? Because they have the skill set, they have the mentality, they have the ability to adjust quickly, adjust on the fly. Some guys can ad- adjust during an at-bat. Rage Occasion That's assistant how good they baseball are, you know? coach Anthony Babineau, our guest. I'm Scott Prather. This is The Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette. Coming to you from the ESPN Lafayette studio, sponsored by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers Sportsbook app, the best Louisiana sports betting experience. Learn more at betrivers.com. You talk about guys having success all the way through. Blake Trahan uh, was one of those guys for the Cajuns. And that's not to say that he never had, you know, slumps here or there. But if you watch Blake play, you remember how good baby Trahan was. I was talking to Dan McDonald, who's um, been around longer than you and I combined, I think, but the two time <laughs> Hall of Famer. He was talking about Kyle DeBarge, and he kept I mean, he he must have cited Blake Trahan about four times in one minute talking about DeBarge. And I think, you know, Coach Deggs doesn't hold back when he talks about this young man, the shortstop from Barbie. He's like, you know, after the opening weekend, he's like, folks will see. They'll see. He's going to be playing in the big leagues one day. The comparisons to Trahan, the, um, you know, the, the, the expectations, I guess, from from Coach Deggs. And, and that, I don't even use the word expectation as much as confidence, right? Is there, is that good for a player to just come in and constantly be, automatically be compared to somebody that's already done it? Do you, is that is that a good thing? Is it indifferent? Does it depend on the player? Because he seems like a kid that, from the outside anyway, you could speak to this, he kind of seems unfazed by a lot of stuff. He seems like a pretty cool customer. Well, it does depend on the player, you know, how they react to the circumstances around them, the comparisons. Some of them embrace it. Some of them go into a shell. Kyle is is a pretty outspoken, confident kid. You know, and, and I haven't asked him. None of us have. Hey, man, do, do you like the fact that you're being compared to Blake Trahan or you wish that... He hadn't know, said he doesn't. Nobody, nobody knew who you were, right? right? I right. mean, yeah, obviously, there, there's... There's an excitement by him, and and it's good that you're good enough to be compared to some of the greats, you know, some of the best that ever played here at certain positions. And Kyle has 
a lot of Blake in him. He, he really does. I, I don't think he's quite as strong as Blake was early on, but that's going to come more with more strength. Blake was they're about the same height, but Blake was just a little a little stronger, a little thicker, so to speak. Um, thick, not being <laughs> bad. No, no, I know what you bad, mean. Yeah. But, um. So I think that that was their difference, but Kyle is very good defensively, and he's a great bad handler, and he's outspoken, just like Blake was. There's a lot of similarities. So, and and it doesn't seem, at least so far, to phase him. It really doesn't. Um, he plays with that confidence, and you know he's he's young. He's he's a freshman, so he's going to go through some some ups and downs. You know, but he's one of those that can make adjustments on the fly. And, and not stay in the bad stuff too, too long, you know? And when I say cool and calm, I don't mean in, like, a demonstrative way of, oh, right. he's just chill. I mean in terms of how he feels. Like, mm-hmm. I, I watch him defensively, and I'm like, that's a there's some defensive IQ and understanding there that you're not always going to see in an 18-year-old. Yes, no, there's definitely a lot of defensive IQ. His baseball IQ is... Really high on the defense on the baseball IQ chart. It yeah. really is. Yeah, he um, more so than most. I that that to me is when the game, when you have the the IQ to go with the talent, that's when the game can slow down for you. Mm-hmm. You're not out there thinking about it, and that's generally when you know you might get in trouble. There's an error here, or there's an issue at the plate, or an issue in your mechanics if you're pitching. When you just have the IQ, I think it's the mental side of it. You're not overthinking it. It's not. It's in the moment when it happens, and I guess when you're start, starting shortstop, you can't. You're out there thinking you're in trouble. You're probably not playing after that, right? No, there's there's too many things that that have to be done, and for you to be thinking too much. I mean, you have to you have to know it. You don't have to just know your position. You have to know everybody else's position. You have to know where they have to be, and you have to be vocal. And you accept that. You have to accept that. You know, once you, if that's a position that you want to play, you know, the good ones can do all of that. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. When we come back, a few more questions about the Southern Miss series and then what's coming up on the schedule uh, for the Cajuns. They didn't play last night. Right now, scheduled to play at UNO. They do have some rain forecasted uh, in New Orleans throughout the day, so we'll keep an eye on that. Hosting Houston this weekend, and then the week after that, you get into conference play. So a lot to dig into. Anthony Babineau is our guest. I'm Scott Prather. We'll be right back right after this. Hey, sports fans, this is Rich Eisen reminding you to catch the Rich Eisen Show every weekday from 12 to 3 on ESPN Lafayette. Now, back to more of the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather. Yeah. She said I was the tiger she wanted to tame. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Rage Occasion assistant coach Anthony Babineau, our guest. Louisiana coming off their uh, series against Southern Miss. Agents took game on Friday. The Eagles took Saturday and Sunday. And things were, um, from the outside looking in, Bab, at times a little chippy. Uh, how would you describe Southern Miss? Do they have an edge to them? I mean, just uh, baseball aside, I mean, you saw how good their pitching was, but they, they seem like a, a feisty group that has some throwdown. Well, they surely do. They've they've had success. They've got some skins on the wall, so to speak. They've got experience back, players from last year, and they have they have they have belief. They they really do. You know, I, I've always looked at 
their program as kind of a mirror of us, you know, throughout the years. Been to a lot of regionals, been to a College World Series, mid-major university that has made some noise, you know, not just in baseball, but the entire athletic department. So, you know, when you get programs together that that both have an edge and and some belief, you know, you're going to get some back and forth. You're going to get a little bit of chippiness. But, you know, you asked about them, and, and I think they're a very good team. I think they've got a great, at least what they showed this weekend, a good pitching staff that can fill up the zone with strikes. They've got some velocity. They've got some stuff. They've got an offense that kind of flows together and works together, and they have some attitude and belief. That's going to make them a good a good team. It feels like there's a future rivalry. Did you see? Feel it's just in my opinion that just feels natural, especially well, absolutely with them coming in, in the, this sport. Yes, you know. with them coming in the league, and you know it's kind of like they've been in our league for a long time already because we play them every year. So it's it's great that they're coming in our league, but I think you're exactly correct. The fact that we're just I mean we're neighboring states. I mean it's two proud programs. You know it's kind of like the South Al, but even even closer. Right, right. And in South Al, like we, you and I have talked about it. When you played and and when you coached earlier in your career, the animosity was much more palpable. Not to say that it's all hunky dory now, but there are years to come along, and you guys play each other, and it's like, okay, see you later. Like it, right. it kind of comes and goes. Whereas fans that have followed the program for so long, or somebody that's been around it, like you, are like. Oh no 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 no! I, I that name on the chest still ticks me off, and they're sitting there like, okay, with Southern Miss, the uh, the edge. I don't know. I mean, and and it, it, I guess it could change. Things evolve, but it just what I was what, what was unfolding this weekend. I was thinking to myself, man, this is going to be this is going to be fun in years to come because these are two teams that they just they like to get after each other. Well. And the fans what, what get I envision- ticked off too. You know, you see the cage fans like, "Oh, can you? What a dirty this that." I'm like, you know what? That's I dig it because people it gets them into it more. Right, absolutely. And and what I envision it being is exactly what happened when when Troy came into our league. You know, Troy was a very good team in another conference, and like Southern Miss, very good team in another conference. Us, South Alabama, some of the others, very good teams in our league. And you have this new team come in. Well, the new team wants to show that they're worthy, mm-hmm. right? The teams that are in there that have been running the league want to show, hey, you're not just going to come in here and push us around. So <clears throat> next year, it's you're going to have that next year with, with not just us and them, but with, you know, South plays Southern Miss every year as well. So it's going to be good for the league. It's going to create some good rivalries, some intense baseball. And as you mentioned, that's what you want. I mean, when you go to the park, you – you want to see two teams get after it. I mean, who cares if there's a little bit of chippiness and some things being said? Oh, I, I mean, care that's, that's in a good the, way. That's I think it's sport. good. I that's think the it's sport. A, yeah, I think it's a good thing. That's competitive. Like you said, some some years South would come in here and you play three games and, hey, we'll catch you next year. I mean, it's no fun. Not as fun. Not as fun. Not as fun. Um, it's um, it's going to be good. And I, I, my next question for you is it's more of a protocol thing. Because uh, I know in the past you've had to do it, and, and it, it's varied year to year in terms of when the the head coach gets thrown out, what happens next. But you've you've done it before. When when Deggs gets thrown out on Saturday, 
uh, after a, a horrendous call that was not a check swing, and there were some things leading up to it. Um, what's the what's the typical protocol? And you know, I've heard a lot over the years, Bab. Well, this is gonna this is gonna fire up the team. They're gonna be this, or he, he want they want to get thrown out. So it, it, it kind of I always feel like depends on the situation right sometimes it's to fire up the team other times it's because literally that just the call was that bad but when when a head coach doesn't get to finish the game uh you've you've kind of served a lot of different roles over the years including at times becoming the guy running it uh what just a a protocol standpoint and then how the team reacts to that typically well coaches get put in that position for different plenty of different reasons, and you went through them, whether they just firmly believe that the call was bad enough or trying to stand up for the team, fight for the team, you know, just had enough, whatever it, it may be. Um, and certain teams react differently. I mean, yeah, it'll, for the most part, in all sports when that happens, it can fire up a team. But like in baseball, doesn't matter how fired up you get, the guy on the mound on the other side has a little something to say, has a little something to do with the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, um, if if he's better or he's just as fired up as as the the group that's trying to work against him, you know, it may not turn out too good for the home team, um, which was the case this this weekend. But when something like that happens, you just you have to you have to stay calm. You have to try and not panic. And you know, the other coaches, fortunately, we've got a great great staff, and and we have throughout the years so that. Whenever Tony would get tossed or, or now Matt, you know the the game can go on with the with the same type decisions as if they would still be in the dugout. You know it really is. It's you know the assistants are an extension of the head coach and his beliefs and his philosophies. So when something like that happens, it's unfortunate because you never want you know your leader not being there with you for whatever reasons. But when it does happen, the guys in the dugout have to take over, and and the team has to take over also. Really, I mean that the coaches. Even when the head coach is there, the coaches can only do so much. Mm. It's the team that has to go. It's the players that have to go out and perform. So when something like that happens, it's it's the assistants. They kind of keep the peace, so to speak, and keep things flowing and going. But the players have to take over. If it's going to fire up, if, if the team is down, you know, if they're going to come back, then it's them. They've got to be the ones that say, okay, hey, our guy stood up for us. That was not right. Hey, let's go get this done. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you can't. Have you ever been part of a, in a game where coach gets tossed and an assistant gets tossed as well? Absolutely. So what's the least amount of coaches left for a game that you've been a part of? Well, I know it in the Super Regional third game against Rice in the Astrodome, Tony got tossed and I got tossed and so I don't know who finished because neither one of us could see. <laughs> what were y'all they, doing? they might have said like... somebody else in a, in another room. I don't. I so don't y'all know. go in the locker room and just watch a feed. He and I were in the same room. Yes, I broke a phone in the locker room. Um, a lot of aggression inside that room at that point. I imagine yeah, you I was, are pretty angry. Yeah, I was pretty upset. That was, was a lot younger too. So yeah, but how many how many times as... have you been have you been tossed? I would say, I don't know, five to ten, I guess. You didn't deserve any of them, though, huh? Not a single one. But well, one of them I did. Okay. One of them I did. Okay. Because I left the dugout saying, hey, I'm going to go get tossed right here. 
So one I did. When was that? What led to that? I don't know. Uh, In the moment, we might have, it was we might have, it we might have been down a couple. Might have been upset with the call. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't know. But I do remember. I said, "Hey, I'm." I'm I told them all goodbye before I left the dugout. <laughs> you, how do you assure yourself you get tossed? Is there like one? Okay, once you say one of these six words, it's done, or is it proximity? Well, I, th- I think it's how long how long you stay with it too. You know, if they ask you, okay, if they say that's enough, and you say no, that's not enough, and you keep going, it's just how long the empire is going to give you. Gotcha. You know, sometimes I mean. Obviously, a lot of times it's words, but for whatever reasons. ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Anthony Babineau, our guest right now. Um, from a pitching standpoint, week in rotation, we mentioned Tommy Ray. Uh, El Jefe, Jeff Wilson has been doing it on Sundays. Last Saturday was TBA. Coach Deck said on Monday it's still kind of sorting itself out. Do you... Do you got you envision you guys maybe by the time conference play comes having a, a Friday Saturday kind of Sunday locked in? Well, you would surely like to to have that weekend rotation set in, but there's been many good teams that have been that TBA has been their starting pitcher on many a games. So if that's the case and that's the way we have to work it, then then so be it. You know, we're gonna uh, we really like Tommy starting out on Friday. We really do because he's he's been setting a good tone. To have the experience of, of a Jeff Wilson on the back end of Sunday is is awesome. Now, if we can just find somebody that you know will lock down Saturday and and pitch with a lot of confidence, I don't I don't think Toit was bad Saturday or, or that bad Saturday. It's just he wasn't as sharp as what we normally saw him, and, and <clears throat> he was off just a little. So, you know, whether or not he goes back out this Saturday, I don't know that decision hasn't been made yet. But like you said, by I don't think it's a big deal if we don't have a steady Friday, Saturday. Not not steady. That's not the right word, I guess. If we don't have a, a named Friday, Saturday, Saturday yeah. Sunday going into conference play, I don't think that's a big deal. But would you guys at least, I mean, ideally like to have it at some point? Because that just means a guy's stepping up, right? Well, absolutely. Right. Yeah. If If you do have it solidified, that means that those three guys are getting it done week after week after week and... You don't have and to this is look. This is what you guys so were saying coming into the season. It wasn't like, I mean, this was this was expected, right? Um, it wasn't like, oh yeah, we we got this thing locked down, and this is what it should look like. I mean, um, you know, you're you're 12 games into the season. There's a whole lot of baseball left to be played, but I'd imagine if if you guys aren't able to play tonight and don't go into the pen, certainly the options will be plentiful um, as Houston comes to town at Russo Park. When we come back, a question for Bab about a difference between Robe and Coach Deggs. I was talking to a former player last week, and he was sharing his thoughts with me. I'll, uh, I'll get Bab's thoughts on that when we come back right after this. This is the Great Scott Show. This is ESPN Lafayette. 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, and streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. If you're listening via the stream, it's brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Wilson or Champagne's going the extra mile. Hey, this is Rich Eisen, and you can hear me every day on ESPN Lafayette from noon to 3 on the Rich Eisen Show. While the team's giving all they got against the opponent, he's giving all he's got on the airwaves. Give me all you got! Give me all you got! It's the Great Scott Show with Scott Prather on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. 
Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. I want to remind you guys, we are one week away from Patty in the Park, downtown Lafayette Park International. It's going to be awesome because Tone Loke will be there. Tone Loke. We got Rob Bass, It Takes Two, to make a thing go right. Quad City DJs. And then you got some great local guys like Clay Cormier and the uh, the legend himself, Wayne Toops. Oh, that's really making a push to get the older crowd there, aren't you? The whole, aren't everybody. You? <laughs> hey, hey, look, I just know you're bummed that you can't go. <laughs> I am. You're bummed you can't go because that, 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 it really is kind of tailor-made for Bab there, honestly. Uh, but you guys will uh, will be on your way to Troy. But, no, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Patty in the Park, St. Patty's Day, Wayne Toops, Clay Cormier, Tone Low, Quad City DJs, Rob Bay. It's going to be fun. Uh, presented by Bud Light, Next and Go Auto Insurance. Get your tickets now at any Legends locations or at eventbrite.com. It's been a couple of years. It's returning after a two-year hiatus due to the coronavirus. So it is back. It's going to be great. You got some uh, mix of local and national acts, an old school flavor, as as, as Bab likes to point out. And uh, but hey, you can bring your kids to kids twelve and under get in free. By the way, well they should because they won't know what they're listening. <laughs> they won't know what they're listening to. Oh yeah, but they'll be dancing. They, <laughs> they'll, they'll be dancing. Right. Come on. There's no way you're going to hear Funky Cole Medina come on and not start moving a little bit. I, I can't see how. I, I, one ESPN Lafayette uh, Anthony Babineau has been our guest always appreciate you coming in man and you know uh, Robe and and Deggs in terms of like where they came from um I was maybe it was I think it was top that pointed it out to me and, and it was a good point but how Robe was a pitcher right and so naturally he leaned toward pitching maybe he was you could argue perhaps more patient, whatever. Deggs came from a hitting background, and it's kind of like what, what what background you come from and, and how you're brought up in it is going to impact a lot of it. But, you know, as the head coach, Robe was was very much pitch-oriented. Deggs was very much hit-oriented. I think a lot of people always point out sort of the difference in their personality and philosophy and how they how they coach. But you would expect a a baseball coach – to lean toward the thing that they did all the way. And I think folks see some of the differences now that Deggs is in year number three. They're a little more used to it. But I don't know. I was talking to some <clears throat> two former players, and they, you know, I was I was asking them, you know, what do you guys think about the big differences? They're like, well, it's obvious. You know, it's, it's the but one definitely focused a lot on pitching and focused on hitting. They're like, that's not to say that they don't, that they don't prioritize the other. It's just natural to sort of lean into to what you know and what you do best. And so, um, I don't know. I Just kind of a, a point there, but hearing former players talk about it, you're a guy that's coached with both of them, multiple years, obviously. What, from a, a pitching and hitting standpoint, is different with those two guys when it comes to being the head coach of the program? Well, there's a little difference because obviously, like you said, Tony came up as a pitcher, Matt came up as a hitter, and and as they were assistant coaches, head coaches, that's what they focused on really as far as their area of expertise. But even though Matt is is 
more of an offensive guy. He's very, very versed in the in the art of pitching. He really is. And he knows that, you know, it's pitching, great defense, and, and then hitting. You know, the, the, the hitting, the offensive side of it gets its momentum a lot from pitching that can really shut an opponent down and, and defense that can make plays, you know, and get off the field. It's much easier to hit when the other when when your pitcher is not giving up runs and you're not chasing all the time you know it's a, you can be much more relaxed in the box and it's easier to do that so you derive the, the the offense derives its momentum from the pitching staff and 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 a great defense that can just stymie make plays and and like i said get get your offense off the field get the defense off the field so that the offense yeah. can can go to work it really does so you know and matt understands that and he believes that to be true so when there as there are obvious differences in the two they both believe the same thing so to speak as far as how the game has to flow and what has to happen to be successful you know that their their personalities obviously are different but but their beliefs in in how to run a program and what you should should stand for are the same right no, no question um, about it. No you know, it was, it was it was funny when he got hired, and so many people told me that. Man, I'm glad it's Matt. You know, we were we were, we were glad that some familiarity is taken over. You know, whether it would have been you or, or Matt, and they said now it's going to be just like just like if Tony was still here. And I go, oh, t- time, time out. out. I, I, you know, uh, Dick Vitalum. I need a to, baby, because hey, they believe in a lot of the same things. But they just they go about it differently. They're they're two different people. So um, there's going to be some things this, that are going to be the same, but but a lot that's going to be very very different. There are a lot of people with the exact same core values that are complete opposite in their right. personality. Right. And Coach Deggs and Coach Robe have very different personalities. I, I get. So my final question would be: Do you feel like when someone says, "Well, a, a, a coach with more of a hitting pedigree"? is less patient with pitching and then vice versa. Is that just misguided projection? Is that stereotyping? I think if that person understands the entire game, I think it's misguided, meaning the coach. Sure. If if they don't understand how the flow of the game should work, then I don't think it's misguided. I think you can lean too heavily on one, but I don't think you can make that assessment of someone just because they're an offensive guy um, right, but it's they understand the whole thing. Stereotyping, I got you. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. How would you describe your personality and how different it is from, say, Coach Diggs? Well, I'm, I'm not, I'm aggressive. I don't, I wouldn't say that I'm as aggressive. You don't want to fight all the time. Not all the time. Not all the time. But. When, when it's, it's when it's time when it's time to throw down it's time to throw down i think that's just that has nothing to do with with being a coach that's just being a man being a person i mean it's it, you know so it, i think we're i think we're similar we both we both say things that need to be said when they need to when they need to be said um you know i'm just glad that i get the i'm glad that we've had the opportunity to work side by side when he was here earlier you know, I'm glad that we had the friendship that we did even before that when we were at different programs 
and we were recruiting against each other and seeing each other out on the road and playing each other's teams. And I'm glad that I have the opportunity now to work alongside of him, uh, you know, with him being our leader because he's a, he's a great leader. He understands leadership and what it takes, and, and he assumes that role very, very well. So, you know, our the way that we've worked together throughout the years have been in different capacities, but um, it's been great in all the different capacities to, to, to you know, work with him. Anthony Babineau has been our guest in studio. We'll talk to him again next Wednesday. He'll probably complain that he's going to miss Patty in the park, but, of course, we'll talk plenty of Raging Cajun baseball. I just say the name and you get excited. Man. Yeah, whatever. Wild thing. Whatever. Whatever. Can we do a Patty in the park in the summertime is what he's asking. Right. Um, all right. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show. Dan Patrick Show is coming your way next have a great Wednesday, everybody. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.